0: But as we uh, got into the last one in Colossians last week, it was kind of a a late add-on that I I did. I'm pretty sure I made it into the the outline. It wasn't quite that late. We were talking about the uh, co-workers that Paul had and how they were so important to him, how they were a comfort to him. This wasn't everybody, but there were certain ones who became a comfort to him that just their mere presence helped him out. So I wanted to spend a week on this and just take a look at some things from Scripture. What is it that makes someone a comfort to someone like Paul? What is it that they would look for? So we broke this down into three things. Uh, We're going to first off look at what what it's not. Now, I don't mean these are bad qualities. We're not looking at bad qualities in that. I'm just saying there are some good qualities that will not make you someone like this for Paul. And we'll show you as to some of the reasons why. We're not looking at any bad qualities; just looking at good qualities tonight. So that's the first thing we're going to look at. Then we're going to look at the ones that um, that he did uh, that, that I think are are more instrumental in that. And then we'll finish off with how we can do this ourselves. Now, if you're on Facebook today, I was a little busier on Facebook than I usually am, and posted a, a few things. And the one thing I did post this morning, I don't see that it got there. So I'm going to try and go home and show this uh, later on. But um. I'd already had most of the things written out for this, and I was listening to Brother Rick Renner's uh, video post that he put up. Anybody see Brother Rick Renner's video post? I think it was put up today. It was either put up today. I saw it this morning, so I think it was today. So I'll put it back up on the church. I'll find a way to get it there. I shared it. Maybe it's just one of those things that it can't be shared to a page, and it just bailed out on me because I know I did it. I even put a little note there with it, and it just wasn't there. So um, I'll try and put that on. But he did a... he did a little video thing on one of these words we'll look at here tonight. So I'll try and put that up there for you. He did it in a different direction than uh, what we're looking at here tonight, but it's still fun. Rick is so good with those, those particular words. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, I want to read this to you. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. That's pretty powerful words right there. I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Isn't that the way that most people are? I mean, we we tend to look at what's best for us, not what's best for for everybody. You know, if we go into a a car dealership, what do we want to do? I want the best deal for me. I want the best deal for me. And I don't really care about the car dealership. If you go in there with that attitude, you will not leave with a car. Because the car dealership has to win too. If it's not worthwhile for them selling you that car, they have no reason to sell it to you. And they'll just say no. So you have to go into a lot of these things with more of a win-win and not just I'm going to win attitude. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. (laughs) In other words, as soon as I can let him go. (laughs) I need him. But as soon as I get to a spot where I I can be okay if he's not here, I'm going to send him over to you. Now, Paul, what's he doing? He's looking out for the best of other people. I need him here because I'm a more effective minister if Timothy is here. And right now, I need that in order to minister to the people that are here. But as soon as I can get to a spot where I can release him and I'll be okay with the other people that are here, whatever it might be, I'll send him to you so that you guys are benefited. If Paul was just looking out for himself and says, Timothy, I'm not going to put you anyplace. You're going to stay right here with me. But he didn't do that. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. In other words, he would, he's saying, if he would have died early and gone home, man, it would have been hard for me. Because I'm not just sending him out, he's gone. And Paul is saying, that would have been hard for me. How many of y'all know that there's some people in Paul's life, his life would have been easier if they were to go? How many of you have all of that? You have some people in your life, it's, life would be easier if they just go on home? Just, just get out of here? Yeah, we got those, some of those people. Paul has some of those people. He has some people that, well, you know, they're here. That's good. But then he's got those ones that, oh, I tell you what, I need you here. I need you here. Uh, you can just see, you can kind of just flush out this, this uh, uh, thing here. He's, he's sick unto death. And Paul's there. And Paul's ministering to him. Paul is ministering to him. And he's still close to death. But he comes out of it. Hmm. That would be quite a thing to be there for, huh? Therefore I send him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in, in esteem. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. I'll tell you what, sometimes we're just not holding the people in the body of Christ with the esteem that we should until they're gone. And then when they're gone, then we say, oh, oh, it was so good when they were here. You know, I heard heard stories of uh, people that I, I know that went on and to, to be with the Lord. And, I mean, s- pillars, huge, in the in the body of Christ. And towards the latter end of their days, the people around them weren't listening to them anymore. They weren't held in this high esteem. And, um, and they, they, they went on. One, I was told of, firsthand of some of the experiences with Brother Hagan that um, uh, some of the folks that were around there uh, were having conversations. And first um, uh, uh, firsthand story I got was uh, this person was in the hallway, and Brother Hagan was talking to some of the people there, and, and uh, they went went off, and they were going to do it this way, and Brother Hagan just shook his head and said, they just don't listen to me anymore. This brother heard these words out of Brother Hagen's own mouth. It wasn't too long after that he went on. But I remember the words that he was given from the Lord. I'll give you 15 more years, and at the end of that, if you're not satisfied, ask me for more. Well, if that was going on, that the people around him weren't holding him in high esteem, whew, I'm sure if I was in his shoes, I'd just say, you know what? I'm done. Go ahead and take me on home. That, uh, that well could have had been, but we got to make sure. Because especially, you know, it's, it's, you think, Brother Hagin. Brother Hagin, Really? But you you get around somebody for a while. I mean, it's 10, 20, 30 years for some of them. You get around them for a long time, and you just begin to take them for granted. And people around there, that took them for granted. I still miss, still miss to this day. Every time Winter Bible Seminar comes around, I keep thinking, oh, man. <laughs> I am so glad that we made it every year that we were, since Connie and I got married, we made it every single year out there. And... uh even though it wasn't always easy for us to go out there and to do it, we made it sure every year we got out there. We took advantage of every meeting that we could. And glory to God. That was, uh, those, those were fun meetings. Boy, I miss those kind of meetings. But you know, we have other ones uh, Charles Capps, Lester Sumrall. These are the people who have great things to, to offer. Did, did everyone esteem them all the time that they, that they were here? Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Now that has to do with the other situation he was talking about. Maybe if, uh, maybe it's something different. But for the work of Christ he came close to death. Doesn't say whether it was uh, persecution or something that was his fault or whatever it was, but he's working for Christ and in the process of that came close to losing his own life. He says, you hold this one in high esteem. Remember, these aren't, this is not Paul. This is not one of the prominent teachers of the New Testament as, as far as we know. But Paul held them in high esteem. So what are some of the things that would make some of these people so important to Paul? Now, he doesn't come out and tell us all the qualities that were there. We have to really hunt pack, and peck and search. And so I was doing some of this and, and looking through. If you're up there on Facebook, I told you I came up with so far seven things. I never added anything to it. So I still got the same seven things. And um, there, I'm not saying that this, there's only seven things. I'm just saying that's all that I came up with. There might be, you know, down the road, we might come up with an eighth and a ninth and a tenth, and who knows what else we, we might get there. I'm just telling you right now, I got seven things. Not, that's the all-inclusive, the only number that's there. But um, that's what I came up with here so far. So here's, a, first off, the not-so-important. And the reason I'm putting these in here is because a lot of times we think these things are. In my, our mind, we would think, well, if I was someone like Paul... These would be important qualities to me. But as I look over the things with Paul and I look over the things with other people, I don't see these as important qualities. Now, for some of this, I'm trying to transfer myself into it too. And, you know, well, what kind of things uh, do I find as helpful? And uh, then trying to, to see that in the scripture. Here, so here's three things. The first one, not so important. I'm not saying they're not important. Please don't hear that. I'm not saying they're not important. I'm saying that they are not so important. That if you have any of these three qualities or all three of these qualities, you may not become an Epaphroditus to Paul. It's going to take more than this, a lot more than this. In fact, these things all alone really won't set you apart. So, but most people would think these are the things that would be. So here's the first one. Helpful. We would think that sometimes that the people that have become instrumental to Paul are people that are helpful. And that is not at all the case. I put in parentheses in my thing, busy. They're always out there doing something. I am not mean that they're so busy that they're not doing the right things. I just mean that they're always busy doing something. There are some people that are just lazy, not doing anything at all, and some people that are just always busy. So I don't mean busy in a bad way. Don't hear it as a bad way. I mean busy as in a good way. But helpful. Just because a person in the body of Christ is helpful, now it doesn't mean they're not appreciated, but they're not going to become... Like a Timothy, like a Titus, like an Epaphroditus. These guys are not just helpful. They're far more than that. There are a lot of people in the church that are helpful. But still, well, th- th- look at, think of it this way. You're at work. How many of you have people at work that are helpful? I'll give you an example. Say that you're at work and there's an IT guy and they're helpful. But you don't always appreciate having them around. They got a bad attitude they uh, they put you down. It uh, might be other qualities in there. They're helpful. I mean, when you need it, you're sitting there, man, this thing's going I got to call so-and-so. That's all I can do. I got to call so-and-so to come up here and to get this thing done. I don't really want to. I wonder if I can get by. Maybe I can get him to do it during my off hours. Have you ever had that with some people? They're, they're helpful, but you don't necessarily want to be around them. But they're helpful. So you could be helpful and not be one of these kind of people. I'm sure that all these guys are helpful, but that's not the thing that qualifies them that pulls them in. Here's another one. Faithful. I bet you this one surprises you. Faithful. I'll tell you what, folks, there's a whole lot of people that are faithful that are there every week, that are helping out every week, doing something every week. But still, they just don't have they're not adding anything to you. And these folks added something to Paul. They added something to him. They weren't just there. They were all faithful. Every single one of these people is faithful. But their faithfulness is not what brought them to the place of being, an Epaphroditus, uh, a a Titus, a Timothy, any of these kind of people. Just because they were faithful didn't mean they would be put into this, this category. And sometimes we're always thinking that with God. God, I've been faithful. I've been doing this. I've been reading the Bible. I've been praying. And we're faithful, but we're not always effective. Just because we're faithful doesn't mean that we're effective. And we've got to learn that that difference. Now, if you're faithful, stay stay being faithful. Faithfulness is a good trait. Again, we're not going over any bad traits. These are all good traits. But this will not put you over being faithful, being helpful. Here's the other one, useful. I put in parentheses here, talented. Just because you have talent doesn't mean you're going to be an Epaphroditus, a Titus, or a Timothy. It doesn't mean that at all. You may have talent. I've seen people with great talent in the body of Christ, but they're lacking in other qualities. Because they're lacking in those other qualities, things just uh, don't go real well for them. Talent won't get you there. How many people have we seen in the NBA, in the NFL, places like that, sports, have talent but are lacking in some other qualities and they eventually go by the wayside? One of the examples we saw for you football people, uh, Johnny Football. Talent. One of the most talented people in in college. And Wasn't he the Heisman Trophy, Trophy winner? Yeah, Heisman Trophy winner. Award given to the best college, I think it's just the best college player in, in, the, in the whole league. Got that talent, but wasn't even a starter on the Cleveland Browns. They don't have a quarterback at Cleveland. Still don't have a quarterback. And they eventually cut him. Eventually just cut him loose and uh, let him go by the wayside. Talent won't get you there. It won't be, it won't be enough. So these are just some. You could probably fill out some more of these things, and I'm just trying to give you an idea that these are, these are great qualities to have. Being helpful, being always busy about doing things, that you always find things to do. Uh, helpful people, you know, they, oh, that needs to be done. I'll go over here and do this. Wonderful to have around. Faithful people, tremendous. Talented people, you need to have some talented people. But these things will not put you into this category. So let's look at some of the things that will. The first thing I have in my list, and this is the first thing when I started contemplating this after last Wednesday, this was the first thing that came to my mind. The first thing that came to me. And um, I I see it in Jesus' teaching. I see it in some of Paul's teaching. And I know it for myself as well. This is the first one. That's a peacemaker. A peacemaker. The uh, word here. Means peaceable or peacemaker. I put some things in my note. I had to take out a lot out of yours and just try to cram everything in. Most of it's scriptures, but I want you to be able to get uh, chance to see these later on. Matthew 5 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That's a pretty good uh, thing to be called, huh? Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, a very similar word to, to that one, very, very close to it. Um, salt, in Mark chapter 9, verse 50, salt is good, but if it's salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Romans twelve eighteen. if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. As much as depends on you, how I many of y'all know there's some people who just want to pick a fight? <laughs> and Paul's not saying just because they're out there trying to pick a fight doesn't mean, you know, you messed up. He says as much as it depends on you. It doesn't all depend on you. Some of it depends on, on other people. Some of it, uh, you know, you can do some things to, to cause it. My favorite movies, you all know my favorite movies. Star Trek. And the first one they came out with Chris Pine, I love the barroom scene. <laughs> and they have the other Starfleet Star officers there. And uh, you can see a fight is brewing. And Chris Pine plays uh, Captain Kirk. He does not become a peacemaker. In fact, as much as depends on you, this is what not to do. <laughs> and they begin to all stand up and they say, you know, there, there, a fight's going to go on. He says, there's six of us and only one of you. He says, well, if you want, you can go out and get some more guys. <laughs> And that was all that had to happen and then the fight broke out. <laughs> Who's that comedian that does those things? He tells a story and then the fight broke out. I can't remember who does that. But uh, they're, they're enjoyable <laughs> when he does that. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with who? All men. That means people that you like. And people that you don't like. People are rude and obnoxious. And people that are pleasant. Whatever it might be. As much as depends on you. Live peaceably with all men. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, here it's tri- uh, attributing a, a characteristic to God of love and peace. He's a God of peace. If He's a God of peace, then we need to adopt those characteristics that are put at this, this high of the of a list. God is love. God is light. God is peace. There's some, some characteristics that are put there at the top of the list. If you are going to be someone to Paul, you need to have these characteristics of God. And peace is one of them. 1 Thessalonians five thirteen, Just the end of it here. It's kind of a sentence in itself. Be at peace among yourselves. Be at peace among yourselves. Now, this peacemaker, it's important because... What you have in the body of Christ. Now, Paul, you know, Paul traveled around. One of the things that happened with him in just about every city he went to was riots. Riots always going on. He doesn't, he doesn't like riots. He's a, he's a peaceful guy because he's, he's a Christian. You know, be at peace, he, he writes. Be at peace. As much as it depends on you, be at peace. So if he's writing these things, you know he's going into these cities and he's trying to do everything he can to be at peace. And they rise up and they, they start riots. But he likes peace. When you like peace, you look for people who are peaceful. You look for people who find out how to calm things down. You look for people who you don't even have to see what's going on if that person's involved. If it can be made peaceful, they will do it. And Paul, as himself, would just kind of relax. These folks are out there. These folks do remember the, the the one guy oh I forgot his, his name now is um, it Aristarchus is that what the um, the guy who was in the in the fights and the shipwreck and all the stuff with with Paul um, <clears throat> he was he was in the riot and Paul wanted to go out there and quiet it down he's in the midst of the riot why is he doing that Because he's trying to calm this thing down and they're not being calmed down. So if you're trying to calm things down and other people are trying to fire them up, who are you going to go after? People that are trying to calm things down. So he's picked up for that. And this is why Paul likes him, I think, because he would go in there and he'd try and make peace. He'd try and calm things down. And he did so and he got himself in trouble in that situation got beat up. And Paul wanted to go out there and help him try and make peace and that's not going to do any good Paul (laughs) you're just going to fire them up even more you need to stay over here we'll see what we can do about uh, helping those guys out well be at peace be at peace yourself you cannot be a peacemaker if you yourself are not at peace Mm -hmm. cannot be a peacemaker unless you yourself have peace so you got to first off bring yourself into peace and then you can begin to find ways to help other people become peaceful have you been over at work? You know how at work some people just stir things up and other people just calm things down. The ones that calm things down, they're the ones that Paul likes. He likes people that can calm things down. doesn't mean you, you don't, you're not always up front and in someone's face. Titus was one of those ones he would probably bring peace, but he also could get up front and get in your face. Now, look, calm down <laughs> or whatever it is he did. But remember, he did some things in Crete. They were some tough people and he got things calmed down there. And Paul says, I was amazed he got them calmed down that quick. I was amazed to fix those things so, so fast. But Titus was able to do that. But he's a he's an peace guy. Being a peacemaker. See, these are rare. You don't find that many. You find more people that like to stir things up because most times we try to interject our own agenda, not God's. Remember the verse? Every man seeks his own. We gotta like we gotta let go of seeking our own. When you become a peacemaker, you stop seeking your own good and you look for the good of the whole. And you step in there to try and settle some peace, get some things going on. That is The first thing that came to me and the first thing on your list because I think it is one of the most important that if you wanted to become important to Paul, someone that he depended on, someone who brought him comfort just by you showing up, it's this. Because as soon as they showed up, if there was turmoil, if there was things going on, even though Paul was a peaceful guy, you know the turmoil outside, it can begin to try and get inside you. And just seeing that extra person, oh, I can feel that peace coming. Coming from you because you're such a peaceful person, and it's just coming back on me. He just really appreciated that. Know that he did. That's the that's the first one. Here's a here's the second one. A server. Be a peacemaker. Be a server. The word we're going to look at here means to to be a slave. To be in bondage. To do or to serve. To be a server. This doesn't this is not different from being or this is different from being busy and being a helper. This is a server. This is not just someone who is helpful. I've seen a lot of people that are busy about helping and doing things, but they're not a server. I will do things, but I'll do what I want. I'll do what I like. I'll do what I feel like doing. But a server is different. The attitude is different. Acts chapter twenty, verse eighteen when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. <clears throat> serving the Lord with all humility. You see, a lot of times people are, are out there and we're helping, we're doing things, but the humility isn't there. A person who is a server is humble in what they do. And that humility... It's very attractive to someone like Paul or anyone in leadership because pride is against God. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Those are the kind of people that you want to pull around. A server looks at what is needed, not what I want to do, not what I want to give, what is needed in this situation. And they step in, then they begin to serve in that. Jesus, we looked at on, uh, on Sunday how many situations he was in. People come flocking for healing, teaching, all the miracles, whatever it might be. And even though he was tired, he's here to serve. And he served. It's a different attitude. And if you want to see this attitude, come up, take a look at the disciples in some of their situations in dealing with the crowd and some of the ways that Jesus dealt with the crowd. Now, eventually, those disciples began to become more of a server. But that's one of the things that Jesus told them. He said, if you want to become great in the kingdom of God, become what? Servant of all. If God's going to make them great, what do you think Paul was going to do? He's attracted to that service mentality. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. But you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Not through selfish ambition. Not through things that are benefiting you, but through love, serve one another. Philippians 2 22. <clears throat> but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. He served with me. Paul had them, they were there. He, he's serving with me in the gospel. This is what made him, uh, him important. <clears throat> I put this in there. Uh, I think I put it in your outline. I don't think I took this one out. It is more important to a leader to see others loved and served than to feel it themselves. It is more important to a leader to see others loved and served than to feel it themselves. Have you seen people in the body of Christ who are more, important, more focused on being served? That's not the right attitude. And if you had that attitude, you would not rise up in Paul's ranks. Paul looks for people that would rather serve, because Paul says, "I'm serving in ministry. Anybody's going to get close to me, basically, you better be serving in ministry too." Some people I've seen, I've seen some of them. I've, I've seen some of them. But I'll tell you what. Bro, uh, remember, uh, brother Tash? He was uh, he was one time out of church, and we went over just to, to see what was going on, just to touch base with them, and so forth, and he and Michael were both there, and they were ministering to the situation was over there. And after they got done, they had the pastor, some of the uh, people in the church, and they sat and watched Brother John and Brother Michael pack up all the equipment. We saw that going on. My wife and I said, "Uh uh-uh. So we got up, and we went over, and we helped them pack up. You know what they did? Nothing. They sat there and they watched all four of us pack up all their equipment and carry it out to the car. That's, that's not a good way to go. <laughs> that's, that's not, now, we don't do that here. Glory to God. We have guest speakers come in. They get greeted at the door. If they're carrying anything, they do, if they got it on their own, they didn't make it out of the car. People are back in there pulling stuff out of the car for them. Whatever you want. If they wanted to carry it themselves and they carried it themselves. But, you know, you, you folks are all out there. You're ready to help them out. <coughs> It's a good attitude to have. Not everybody has it. But if you're going to move up in Paul's area of ministry, he saw himself as a server. He, he served so much, he would even go into a place and say, I'm not even going to take a paycheck from you or an offering. I'm going to be in here and I'm going to make tents. So that I can... I can. For, for the Corinthians, he did that for a long time. Didn't receive any offering from them. Made tents. Why? Because he's here to serve them. And he expects that attitude out of others. And I'll tell you what. I, I know that because I've seen people. I've, I've been around leaders that uh, that have the same attitude. And they expect. They don't demand. They expect that the people that are around them will serve others as well. If not, they don't become very instrumental in their, in their life. Seen it. Know it. It's quality number two. Be a server. Number three is an encourager. 1 Thessalonians 2, and verse 18. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Can you imagine that? Satan hindered you from coming to a place? Now, he never says what God's will was in this thing. He says, we wanted to go. Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? It is not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming. For you are all you, Yeah, for you are our glory and joy. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning the faith. So he's saying it was hard for him to endure that these Thessalonians are over there and they're going through this stuff and he doesn't have one of his guys in there helping them out. They're all here helping him. So he says, I finally got to a spot. I, we decided it's better for us to be here alone than you guys to be al- on, your, on your own. So we sent Timothy. In other words, now Timothy's one of the precious ones for Paul. And he says, Timothy, I need to, need to send you away for a little while. He sends him away. To establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. And again, the Thessalonians were under great affliction. We talked about that on the End Times class on Sunday. Acts chapter 11, verse 23. When he had come and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. So when he comes in, he he sees what's going on. He encourages. He It's a, it's a part of a, of a role of a minister. minister is supposed to encourage. In order to move up, in a person like Paul's view, you also must have been an encourager. If you did not go around encouraging people, it didn't matter how much encouragement you did to Paul. He cut it off. So Timothy was such an encourager, he could send them out. I know you'll go over there, you will encourage them. Same thing of Titus, same thing with these other guys. Send them out, they'll be an encourager. The people that were around Paul were encouraged. In- were encouragers and to the point that Paul could say I can send you out there and you will do a great job encouraging those people and what they're going through. And the Thessalonians were no it was no small thing that they had to get them through. Acts 14 verse 22 strengthen the souls of the disciples exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So they're strengthening the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue. These are ministers. This is what they're out there to do. Exhorting them to continue. That word exhorting is the same word for encourage. 2 Corinthians 7, 6 and 7. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Titus just by coming comforted them. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me so that I rejoiced evermore. So what he's saying is Titus came and just by him coming, he is such an encourager. That when you if you're real good at encouraging, just your presence, without any words, just your presence will encourage. He says, just when he came, I was encouraged. Then he began to tell me about all the things he saw with you guys, and I was even more encouraged. It's not that Titus was coming in and teaching. Didn't have to do that. Ephesians six twenty one, twenty two, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister and Lord, will make all things known to you whom I have sent to you for this very purpose that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. So Tychicus, another one of the, Paul's inner circle, he sends him out. Why? Because he will bring encouragement to you. He will bring encouragement to you. You don't have, you know, There are people in the body of Christ. We're not talking about heathens. There are people in the body of Christ that if you know someone needs to be encouraged, you do not send them. You don't send them. I mean, some people are so bad at this (laughs) that they could walk into a family who just lost a loved one and find out who can help me with my problem. I mean, that's how bad some people are. I've seen it. There are some people you will not let anywhere near that. There are some people, well, they're just not the best at it. And there's other people that say, if I can get this person to go over there, they will change the situation. They will bring encouragement. They will bring comfort. And that's the kind of people that that we need to be. If you are going to be one of these kind of people, this is what you need to do. Now, I didn't go over this before, but here back in the... In the beginning, we're calling this the people of comfort and inspiration. People of comfort and inspiration. We're talking about becoming a CI. How many of you remember what a CI is? You ever watching a, a, a cop show? All the cops have a CI. What's the CI do? Confidential. Confidential informant. This is their own personal CI. Everybody's got one. This is the one they can go to on the street. Well, we want to make you into... See eyes. Comfort and inspiration. That you can become that for people. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 3.2. Did we do that one yet? We did Okay. Put this in your outline for you. Some people lift their spirits, lift your spirits with their talk while others drag it down. Don't you know that? Some people, they just start opening their mouth and talking. And you just feel, you just feel everything drain out of you. A good companion looks for what Paul needs and adapts to it instead of thinking about what they want. The people that Paul brought in are the people who could adapt to situations. He knew they could adapt to me, they could adapt to the situation we're in. Therefore, wherever I send them, they can adapt to that situation and become the comfort, become the encourager, become the thing that is needed in those situations. If you are going to be one of these kind of people in the body of Christ, this is something that you need to pick up. Then in every situation, you learn how to be an encourager. Here's the next one. Joyful. Didn't put any scriptures here. We spent a, a few weeks on joy just recently on Sunday morning, so you can use all those scriptures. <clears throat> but there is much that will try and sap the joy of the Lord out of a leader's life. There was much around Paul that would try and take the joy of the Lord out of him. He needed people to help keep that, that up high. They, you know, keep encouraging him to keep uh, that praise attitude going on. Of course, Paul knows how to, how to stir up the, the joy of the Lord and get that strength. But we got all these people that are sapping it from you. You need some people that can come on in and can help you out with that. Being around those who are full of joy is so desired when most people you minister to are lacking. Most people that we minister to in the body of Christ are lacking in the area of joy. And they try and sap it out of all the people that are around them. What Paul is saying is we just need a few few good people. Just a few. Get around and I'll tell you what, that that joy can come out. Mm -mm. That joy can come out. Be joyful. Here's another one, hungry. Spiritually hungry to draw from Paul's anointing, helping others to receive. You know, there are some people that get in the audience and they are so spiritually hungry, they pull everything out of the service. And the people who have no idea how to do that benefit because of those people that are there. They benefit because of it. They, uh, they now, we, I use this, this same uh, idea with people. When we talk to them in salt meetings <coughs> and talk to them on Sunday mornings about what goes on on Wednesday nights. I tell all those people who want to listen to Wednesday nights on MP3s and podcasts and stuff like that, you know, you owe it to the people that come out because without them, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> nothing get pulled out. Nothing go on because there's a difference. i yeah, I I'll use this with a, with a couple of people as examples, but I've seen a few of the, these people that do the round table thing. Brother Copeland is one. You get Brother Copeland behind a pulpit and get him teaching. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, I enjoy that. Oh, that is good. Put him behind a table, and I'll turn the TV off. There's no one pulling on him. He's just sitting there and just kind of talking. Brother Keith Moore, I've seen him at a table. Hey, it's okay. It's all right. But, oh, I'll tell you what, put him behind a pulpit. Get people in there pulling off of him. Oh, that that is good. Brother Brother Hagin would stand in front of a microphone and record the uh, radio show. And it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, sure. Uh, But put him behind a pulpit with a bunch of people in the audience that are pulling off it. And it went beyond good. It's like, oh, oh, oh. man, that is good. That is good. I've never heard Brother Creflo Dollar behind a table. Uh, Based on my experience, I never will. I don't know that he does those kind of things. I've never seen him do those kind of things. But I love it when he gets behind a pulpit and people are pulling off of him. Oh, it's, it's good stuff. It is, it is good. Same thing with Brother Fred Price. Don't see him too much anymore. Boy, I loved it when he was behind a pulpit teaching. Tired, uh, got uh, sad that he was retired. But um, boy, it was, that was good. Never saw him around a round table either. See these people that advertise these round table things, you know, we're all going to sit around the table and do stuff, and I feel like, meh. No, but you see, when, we're, when, you're, when people are in the, in the in the group, in the meeting, and they're pulling off of the anointing, mm-hmm. oh, i tell you what, it changes things. Mm-hmm. It, it just changes things because there's hunger, hunger there. you got to have that. And you can tell who they are. Mm-hmm. It is easy to tell from the front who the hungry people are and who the, eh. Are and who the people are just there. Easy to tell. If you're not hungry, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're no help. What does Paul think about people who aren't growing? He don't think very much of that, does he? No, no, no. We've got to be growing. First Peter 2, 1 and 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow. Growth is necessary. Paul writes to the, to the one group says, I can't believe it. I still got to feed you milk. Why? Because he's expecting growth. And it doesn't matter where you are in the body of Christ, what kind of a leader you are, what kind of a follower you are, wherever it is that you are, you are still expected to grow. Paul expected himself to grow. Certainly he expected those people that are around him to grow. Hunger. It's another one. I put this one in there. Impervious must be impervious or immune to false doctrine. What would happen to someone in, the, in Paul's inner circle if they fell into false doctrine? What would happen to them? They got booted out faster than anything. That's the one thing to get you booted out of Paul's inner circle faster than anything. How many, well, he writes about people. Man, we got rid of that one. Watch out for that one. Don't, don't, don't let them in your church. You fall into false doctrine, I'll tell you why he did, did not like that. When people fell into false doctrine, they stopped being Paul's companions. That's all there was to it. Matthew 6, uh, 16, 6, Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, was the Pharisees and Sadducees in Jesus' inner circle? No, they were far from it. Why? False doctrine. Ephesians 4:11 and 15, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Sound doctrine, folks. No longer being children tossed to and fro. If you're going to be in Paul's inner circle, you cannot be one of those tossed to and fro. You need to know what the word says and you need to stay with it. If people could throw you, you would not make it into Paul's inner circle. One thing he expected was that you continue to go on this. First Timothy 4, 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I'll tell you what, the things the body of Christ is fallen for anymore. <laughs> Verse 6 says, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of a good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Speaking to Timothy, Timothy is one of, one of the elite of Paul's inner circle. He says, you've got good doctrine and you have carefully followed it. 2 Timothy 3.10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. He says it again. Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. You see why Timothy was important to him? He saw those things. All he had to do was see Paul model something and he, I'm going to do that. And he began to follow, because he knew what Paul was modeling was the very things that he saw in the Word of God, the very things that he saw from the Spirit of God that were in God. And he modeled them. Second Timothy 4, verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and, by, and be turned aside to Fables. Paul does not have a good view of people who go after false doctrine. Second, John 1.9 Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Well, that's pretty strong. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Stay out of false doctrine. You want to become one of these folks, stay out of false doctrine. And I know for myself, you have some people that are just prone. I mean, they're good on this, 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 and then they're just prone to certain things. You know, you, there's, there's a few things that are trying to work their way around here. I, I think I told you before. I haven't seen this in a long time, so I don't mind talking about it. But there we have people come into here. I mean, they were hungry. They knew the word, but, you know, they have something like deliverance. Going after deliverance in a way that's not in the Word of God. Uh, going after the the flags and the things like that, uh, the the trumpet thing that they would blow, uh, books written on how to blow those. Uh, I can't even think of the name of the the, the shofar and, and stuff like that. Just just crazy stuff. And you can have everything right and bring that in. You know what? You know how much you can use them as a leader. You can't. You can't use them. Because you know that if you, if you put them in someplace to minister, what are they going to go and do? They're going to find people that they can implant this false doctrine in. Because that's what they do. That's what they're passionate about. It seems that people that have false doctrine are more passionate about that false doctrine than the truth that they know. It is amazing. I could talk to you about that for a long time, just in my experience with people. But they're more passionate about the things that are false than the things that are true. And if you come against them in those areas that are false, they'll up and leave. They'll say all manner of evil things about you. But if you come against the things that are true in their life, they're not not bothered. They don't get bothered by that. Here's the last one. Independent. Independent. Paul sent these men on missions on their own and in pairs, but away from him. How many times did we read about that? Just uh, last week, that he, well, we sent this one and this one. They went over here. This one delivered this letter. They're always being sent on missions by themselves or with a, with a, paired up with someone else. And Paul, But Paul didn't go with them. He sent them away. He needs them. If you're going to have, be this kind of a person, on, uh, someone that Paul can depend on, you have to have the ability to do things on your own. People who are independent have a different attitude in life affecting those that are around them. You ever had some needy people in your life? They have a different attitude, don't they? And they affect all those people that are around them. Then you have those that are independent. You can be so independent that uh, it, it it can be a hindrance. You don't want to be that way. People who are dependent are a drain to those they attach themselves to. Have you ever had someone attach themselves to you who was a dependent? It's not fun, is it? You see them across the way and you try and go another direction. Or you duck in the store and you buy a hat so you can put it over your face. Because you don't want to be seen by them. I'm not ready to deal with that person. Not right now. If you ever, if, if Paul as a leader ever saw some, I I cannot deal with that person right now. They're never going to get in the inner circle, are they? No, the people that are in the inner circle are those people that Paul says, oh, they're here. Oh, this is so good. Come here. Come here. Because they're always encouragement to him. These people that are out there that are de- that want to affix themselves to someone and become dependent, they, um, they wouldn't survive with Paul. I don't do well with these kind of people. The, the people who want to become, I've had, a, had people do that. They try to become dependent and attached. And um, it, I just, I don't do well with them. <laughs> they don't generally hang around too long because I don't do well with them. I put this here, learn to enjoy people, but not be needy for them. Learn to enjoy people, but don't be needy for them. When I was growing up, one of the traits I had is I loved, loved. Oh, did I love it. I loved being by myself. (laughs) Loved it. If I was in a room by myself, I was happy as could be. I was happier in a room by myself than I was with people. Far. I mean, it was huge the difference. If you leave me alone, this is good. This is good. The next best thing was some of my close friends. You know, we go out and play football and hockey and stuff like that. That's a that's an okay thing to do too. But um, I just love being by myself. My mom used to tease me about that. She said, "You just put you in a room by yourself and you're happy." Like away. When I told him I said I was going to be a pastor, they said, "I don't know if it's going to work." <laughs> Because, you know, pastors don't... You can't be by yourself. (laughs) That's not what's going to happen. So I had to learn. It was a learned trait. I had to learn to enjoy people. I had to learn to enjoy it. Because I generally didn't always enjoy people. But I had to learn how to enjoy people. And so then I got to the point where I can enjoy being with people and I can enjoy being without people. But if I'm without people and I'm by myself and people come in, I don't go sad. I said, I just move in. Okay, now we can enjoy being around people. And if uh, if I'm around people and they all leave, this is okay. <laughs> I'm by myself. This is all right. I can I can enjoy being by myself. I, I can enjoy it either way. So, I, but that was a learned trait. That was not something I was born with. I had to learn how to how to do that. And I I think it's it's, it's not just something I put on. I generally enjoy being around people. You know, I go out to I just meet strangers. Just, hey, how you doing? What's up with you? Just talk to them, tell them my name, find out their name. And um, wherever I go, you know, I go to the bank. And you know how the tellers? I go to the same bank. I find the same tellers. I know all about those tellers. I know what's going on in their life. I know what's going on in their house. I, know, I just know all these things. I can walk into my bank and I'll ask this person, how are the raccoons doing in your house? Because they got raccoons in. And it's been going on for about two years. They all left, and then they came back, and they have raccoons. And so I go back in there and I said, how are those raccoons doing? I was just in there the, this week. I said, what's going on with those raccoons? Oh, they haven't been making any noise at all. I don't know if they're gone. That's good. But, you know, I go, we go in, and I, I just, I, I, that's what we do. You know, I go over here to Wegmans. Every Saturday night when I'm coming in here to the church, I stop by the Wegmans, Well, now I know the person in the bakery. I know the person at the cash register. I know a couple of people in the aisles. It was getting so bad that I said, Father God, I cannot spend this much time in the Wegmans finding out about all these people's lives and trying to help them out. Because I'm over here, the guy in the aisle, he'd keep me busy for 10 or 15 minutes telling me all the things that were going on with his life. You know, like he's got three jobs. I knew all the jobs. I knew all the businesses that he had, where he was going and such things like that. And then the, uh, the Doris, the, the guy over in the bakery, well, she's got uh, grandkids and one just came out of the, the, the NICU. She was, uh, and uh, then, she then actually got flown over to CHOP. How to get flown over to the shop and being taken care of over there. And so that's uh, the latest story that I just got when I was over there this, this past time. And then uh, the Pat, she's a, she's a lady. Uh, there's some other things about Pat that I'm not going to tell you about. <laughs> but, but one of the things she does like to do, she likes to go camping. And so if she's not there. She comes back in the next week. I say, you were camping last week, weren't you? I said, yeah, I was camping, and where she was going and what she was doing and stuff like that. But um, I just, I enjoy people. I enjoy talking with them. I enjoy finding out about them. Um, but it was a learned trait. I did not always go. It was not always that way. Generally, I just want people to leave me alone. If I'm in class, don't call on me. Don't interact with me. Really, don't want to do any of that. But you have to become independent. You need to learn to enjoy people, but not be needy for them. And that's what Paul needed to do. Now, how do I become a better CI? Well, first off, ask the question: Am I a peacemaker? Am I a peacemaker? Do I stir up strife or do I calm it down? If so, ask this question. What can I do to be better? Am I a server? If not, what can I do to be better? Am I an encourager? Do I provide comfort to the people that I speak with? If not, what can I do to be better? Am I filled with joy? When you walk into a room, are you down? Do you sap all the strength out of the room, or are you filled with joy? Do you bring energy into that room? I'll give you a good example of this one, brother Jesse. When he walks into the room, what happens? <laughs> I mean, you know what happens. If he brings so much joy into the room. Depressed people are cured. What can I do to be full? Am I hungry? What can I do to be hungrier? What can I do to draw off more? See, sometimes people come in and they listen to what the minister comes in and say the minister on this topic. And they, I don't need that. But see, that's not one of the people that Paul would grab hold of. The people that Paul would grab hold of says, "All right, I don't think I need that. I might need it, but somebody else here might need it. I'm going to pull and get this stuff out because they're not focused on themselves. Am I hungry? Am I am I impervious?" If not, what can I do to become more immune to false doctrine? Am I independent? If not, what can I do to be less less dependent? Now, I'm not saying if you got one, two, three, four, or five of those traits that you would be someone that Paul might want. I'm saying if you got all seven. If you have all seven, you would be a person that Paul would consider putting on his inner circle. If you have six... <laughs> you would not be considered. Guarantee it. Look at, go through the rest of the scriptures, stuff that we looked at. Look, Go through the epistles. Look at his how he talks about the people that are around him. Look how he interacts with them. Look at this and find out. If you are lacking in one of these things, do you think you would be a Titus, a Timothy? Do you think you can make it in one of those? And folks, don't we want to become the greatest that we can in the kingdom? Damis left me, he said. But he, he was in this inner circle for a while. But then he fell off. He's in better shape than some people who never made it. Would you make it? Would you make it on Paul's team? If not, what can you do to be better? There's a whole lot of people God would like to have on somebody's team. But we're not doing the things we need to do to get everybody... Sometimes we're just not mindful of it. That's why I thought we'd spend a week on this and just, just become mindful. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's on, there's only seven. I'm just giving you seven here right now, and that's what I got so far. You can meditate in this. You might find some other traits that are, are important, that are critical. But I tell you, you you're not going to make it on six. You're not going to make it on five. People like Titus, like Timothy like these, uh, these guys that are mentioned, the end of Colossians. They got these things going on. It's not impossible to have all seven of these things strong in your life. It is not impossible. It is very doable. But you got to be focused on it. And you can become one of these guys. One of these people that can be Someone that instrumental. Someone as important in the body of Christ. As instrumental for God in the body of Christ as Paul. That Paul says, just seeing you come over, I feel better. Father, we want to be a help in the body of Christ. and We want to take on these traits that these men had that became instrumental in the life of Paul. Because if we can become like those men. Like those people in the body of Christ. Oh, I'll tell you what. We can do good things. We don't have to become a Paul. We don't have to become a Peter. Or we can sometimes just be a great help in the body of Christ just by being a Luke an a Just Somebody. That Paul would depend upon, or someone like him. The Father, shape us, help us, help us be mindful of these traits and these qualities, that we can have them grow in our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.